Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from James chapter 3, verse 13 through chapter 4, verse 3. And verses seven and eight. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Those conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings that are at war within you? You want something and do not have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something and cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. In order to spend what you get on your pleasures, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. This is the written word of the Lord. Good morning. Oh, oh, come on. Good morning. So glad to have each of you here. Um, It is such a joy and a privilege always to preach to this congregation. Some of my favorite people are in this room, and I am uh, always feeling the love when I'm here among you, so I appreciate each and every one of you um, being here. Can we pray real quick um, before we get started? God, thank you for the opportunity to be together, to gather as your people, to try to hear something that you might have to say to us. We love you. Amen. So I'm Britt Bullerjack. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, I thought I would just give you kind of my story in, in a nutshell. I felt a call to ministry when I was 13 at a mid-high camp, so shout out to mid-high camp. Um, I'm sure all of us loved it, and um, felt like that was my calling ever since, and I always felt like at SNU when I was getting my degree in theology, didn't 100% know where all this was headed. I knew I wasn't quite cut out to be a youth pastor, I thought, and um, a lot of things I tried and they didn't really stick, and um, just felt like God saying towards the end of my senior year, don't worry about it, we're gonna go on a journey. We're gonna go on a journey together. You don't need to have all the answers, you don't have to have it all figured out, you just take each next right step. So, uh, I don't know if I'm, Oh, 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 okay. I'm very tech-savvy, guys. Uh, There we go. Um, 
Wait, I see it back there now, but I don't see it. I'm good. Oh, okay, great. Um, so, yeah, so right after graduation, um, oh, I just figured it out. That was my fault, wasn't it? I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. Um, right after graduation, I got married to this adorable human. His name is Aaron. I'm sure he's here somewhere, but I didn't see him walk in, so yeah, he's probably fixing something. And um, we have been married uh, almost, no. It has been 13 years. It was during the maternity leave. Maternity leave doesn't really exist in my mind, so don't ask me detailed questions about last summer. It's, it's sort of there, but it's sort of not. Anyway, okay, keep, keep going. Um, two years after we got married, he got his master's in history. We moved to Poland at a, a calling to do coffee shop ministry um, with the Church of the Nazarene over there. And super fun, highly recommend coffee shop ministry. We were at two different locations in Poland and then later two different locations in England. Um, it was a really great four years. Um, it was, a, yeah, it was a really... Um, fun time, lots of exciting memories from that time. Aaron tells me every day that he, you know, misses the UK, and I keep telling him, you know, well, you got to pray about that. you got to figure that out. Um, maybe, maybe something will happen. Um, we moved back to the U.S. after living in these tiny apartments and working at these tiny coffee shops and felt um, like our rent house was huge. It was in Bethany. Um, it had three beds and one bath, and it just felt like a mansion to us at the time. And we started thinking about our um, climate footprint and worrying about um, the planets. And so we decided we would find the smallest space that we could live in, and we found this Airstream um, parked in a guy's front yard in Arkansas. It was 204 square feet and we made it work for like two and a half years um, we lived there it's still one of my favorite places we, we still have it a friend of ours Caleb lives in there shout out Caleb I think you're in the back yeah hi and um, it was great it was uh, a really it really taught me a lot about um, holding loosely to my things that's a different sermon and um, then we ended up uh, purchasing a home, you know, like you do, you get to your 30s and you kind of settle down. And um, we have chickens and a garden and I sort of keep bees. I sort of don't keep bees. I really keep bees for Instagram. Other keep people keep the bees for me. And I'm just like, just like a partner in crime basically for, for the bees. Um, these are our housemates. Well, these were our housemates. This is last year's Christmas card. If you wait another month, um, you'll be able to see this year's Christmas card and a couple of faces have changed. But we love living in community. Um, this is one of my favorite things about our home is that it's just big enough to share. Um, and so we have uh, some of our favorite humans living with us and have lived with us. And um, it's, it's a really fun time. Very recently, we have added uh, another housemate. Um, this is Shiloh B. Uh, she's very cute. She's not here today, but um, she's one of my favorite humans at this point. And she is three and a half months, guys. Look at that face. She's so cute. Um, yeah, big fan. None of that has anything to do with the sermon. I just like those people. Um, so this week on Facebook, I put a little shout out and I said, hey, I'm prepping for my sermon on Sunday. And I was wondering, when was the first time you heard a woman preach? And I heard from such a huge range of people. And some of the stories were happy. I grew up, you know, with a female pastor. Some of the stories were hard. Um, I was 20. I was 30. I was 40 the first time I heard a woman preach. Um, and I really spent a lot of time reading each of those this week. I know I probably didn't respond to most of them, but 
um, just feeling a weight there um, about my call to ministry and my call to um, preach and to be a pastor. Um, I like to wear a uniform when I preach. I know maybe it kind of freaks some of you out a little bit, and I apologize in advance for that. Um, maybe I can, like, redeem it a little bit for you. We shall see. Um, but it's important to me um, for the little girls. Oh, man, I'm going to cry just talking about it. But um, for the little girls in our church to grow up knowing they have seen a woman preach, knowing they have seen a woman pastor, and knowing that that is a possibility for their own lives um, as they go about moving and being in the world. And especially when it's not a kid's Sunday, um, I, I want to be in uniform so that when I'm in these hallways, you know, after the service and talking to all your kids, um, they can kind of recognize something even though they weren't here. Um, this is our sermon series, Faith is a Team Sport. The first half was about Ephesians. Um, it was who we are. And this second half is about James, what we do. Um, spoiler alert, I tried really hard to put something sportsy in this sermon and just could not figure it out. So if you come up with a really great sports analogy for me, um, I'm here all day after the service. <clears throat> Um, so let's just dive right in. This is the book of James. I'm going to do a couple quotes from John because I thought he did a really good job of introducing James a couple weeks ago. James tells us 59 times, this is what you're supposed to do. Faith looks like this. And there's only 120 verses. People need to see faith in action, see faith happen. Faith is more than what we think. It is how we go about acting in the world. Faith is a verb. Um, it might be written by James, the brother of Jesus, which would be one explanation for why the letter was pretty popular. Um, but maybe not. You know, you never know with these things. It was a while back. Um, so let's get started. This is James 3.13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. You can keep that gentleness in your back pocket for later because we'll be talking about that. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. This particular passage is comparing and contrasting two types of wisdom. A wisdom from above that um, creates conflict and destroys community. Uh, nope, sorry. A wisdom from that, that's above is the second one. Um, a wisdom from below <laughs> that creates conflict and destroys community. And a wisdom from above um, that builds each other up. And so this is the wisdom from below. Um, bitter envy and selfish ambition. And it comes from an earthly, unspiritual, devilish place. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will be disorder and wickedness of every kind. And I spent a little bit of time this week um, thinking about this, this wisdom from below that conflates having with being. We are what we have, what we possess. It's a myth of scarcity. We've talked about this. Um, that a person's identity can be um, deriv derived from what they acquire, from what they possess. 
Um, and in such a view, if you have less, then you must be less real, less worthy, less important. This myth of scarcity convinces us that we are in competition with others for things, with our neighbors, for stuff. In the realm of material things, to have more means someone else has less. And you can imagine the kind of community that would be created um, with this selfish ambition and envy. And it is disorder and wickedness of every kind. So I was trying to picture um, in my life where I might point to um, the, the atmosphere that this creates, something with envy, selfish ambition, disorder, and wickedness. And it might not surprise you that I chose a very easy target, um, social media. <clears throat> and maybe it is an easy target, but I'll be honest, um, I am never more envious, self-centered, ambitious than when I'm scrolling something. They've got ads for everything I want. Five or 10 minutes on one of these apps, <clears throat> and my connectedness goes out the window. This is the wisdom from below, the earthly wisdom that conflates having with being and says, you're only as good as your stuff. And look at this stuff, and look at this stuff, and look what they've got. <sighs> and I'll tell you, um, I spent a lot of time on these apps this week. I'm not proud of that. Um, procrastination, thy name is Brett. But um, I realized in the midst of that uh, why sermon writing is so hard. My process of sermon writing requires me to show up. It requires me to be vulnerable, to bring my whole self to this work, to you, to scripture. That's tough. I think subconsciously I think, no, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to know about my stuff. I think somewhere deep down, I have retained the religion of my childhood that trained me, perhaps on accident, to expect God to be disappointed in me. I run from reading scripture or thinking deeply about what it might be saying to me because at the end of the day, I'm afraid. I don't wanna know. I'm afraid that scripture will tell me that I am bad, that I am unworthy, that I am not enough. I expect to show up to scripture and find that I have disappointed God and you know what I do when I'm afraid? I pick up my phone. Aren't phones great? When you want to forget all your problems or refuse to confront yourself, you can just grab a device to distract you. And you know what's crazy is that I often receive from that device exactly what I've been running from, messages that I'm not enough. Messages that I'm not pretty enough, that I'm not smart enough, that I'm not rich enough ads that tell me that I need the latest thing to be happy. I am never more filled with selfish ambition than when I'm scrolling social media. I'm never more envious than when I'm on Instagram. And nine times out of 10, I leave my phone less peaceful than I was before. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. <clears throat> this um, willing to yield, I felt like, was super interesting to me. It could have been translated open to reason, or you might even say open-minded. I think that's a big ask, um, in particular for us today. Because how many of us engage with our online neighbor with open hands, with a posture of open-mindedness? Um, and that last part, um, I really like the way the NRSB has rendered, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. <laughs> um, it seems that 
to me that our culture is training us to be more divided, more partial, um, bigger hypocrites, to experience each other as flawed, to point out the flaws of a perfectly cropped photo so that I might feel just a little bit better about myself. But what really sticks out here to me is the gentle. When I think of gentleness, I think of Sue Ann Lively. Um, I don't know if she's here this morning, so hopefully I'm not embarrassing her too bad, but. Um, she's one of several spiritual directors that are part of our congregation. Bob, her husband, is another. If you've never heard of spiritual direction, it's basically like someone who is trained to be with you as you both try to discern what God might be speaking into your life. And I admit, my first meeting with Sue Ann, I was so scared of what I might hear, so nervous to be in her presence. But she was calm and she was gentle. She sat across from me, and together we listened for that peaceful voice of God. I've met with her every month or two for a long time, and she has been that peacemaker in my life. If you've never experienced spiritual direction, highly recommend it. Um, you can email info at okcfirst.com. I'm sure we can get you connected. Um, but let's keep going. These conflicts and disputes among you, where do they come from? Do they not come from your cravings? They're at war within you. You want something, and you don't have it, so you commit murder. And you covet something, and you cannot obtain it, so you engage in disputes and conflicts. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. The murder here is likely metaphorical, or we'd like to tell ourselves that. Um, one of the commentators I read this week said, James highlights in this letter the damage done to a community when an individual takes action based on this wisdom of the world. It throws the whole community out of whack. There will be disorder, wickedness, people will get hurt. If you covet, your cravings will not only lead you away from God, but away from your neighbor as well. Um, in the news this week, I thought was interesting, Facebook, the Wall Street Journal, um, kind of exposed some inner uh, documents from Facebook. And it's uh, apparent that Facebook knows how toxic Instagram is for teen girls. And I might add, you know, uh, I'm a young adult and I feel like sometimes Facebook is toxic for me too, so maybe I'm like in this category. Um, but they, they did some in-depth studies and they came back and they said, yeah, one in three teen girls feels worse about themselves after scrolling Instagram. And that's kind of a lot, one in three. It's like, I don't know, 33.3 repeating percent. So that's a lot of people out there that are being affected by, by something like this. But I wanted to be transparent, right? Because I can't do a sermon about social media and devices and phones unless I'm honest. This is a screenshot from 9.06 p.m. last night. And I will say, this is a good day for me, uh, 3.41, I don't know if you know, but like, um, <clears throat> it happens. And don't look at me like that, because I know some of you uh, have dip, but like more um, on yours than I do. But anyway, um, I love, by the way, that it says creativity 26 minutes. That's the photos app, and I was looking at pictures of Shiloh, but I like thinking that I was creative for 26 minutes, so good on Apple for labeling it that way. Um, this, this is me, right? This is some type of information about my day yesterday. Um, even showing it to you right now, I'm not super proud of this screenshot, I'll be honest. Um, and, and I am not better for it. Uh, I'll tell you that um, as well. So, <clears throat> all of this 
made me think of a song. And I know you guys, songs. You think I don't know any songs. I know plenty of songs. I'm going to share one with you right now because as I was writing this sermon all week, this song kept coming back to me. And so I was just sure that I am supposed to share this song with you. Now, I will say it is five minutes, and I'm not going to make you listen to the whole five minutes of the song, but you should because it's a great song. And um, the whole five minutes were just comedy gold. I just couldn't bring myself to show you the whole thing because it would just take a while. So you just... Listen up, everybody. We're going to hear from a dude who is truly cool and very fresh, but he's got a problem that he wants to lay on us. Uh, come on in, Ernie, my man. Excuse me, Mr. Hoots. I hate to bug a busy bird, but I want to learn the sax, and I need a helpful word. I always get a silly squeak when I play the blues. To keep you cool, I'll teach you how to blow the sax. I think I did your problem. It's rubber and it quacks. You'll never find the skill you seek till you pay your dues. You gotta put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Yeah, you gotta leave the duck alone. You gotta put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Put down the ducky if you want to play the saxophone. You didn't hear a word I said. You gotta get it through your head. Don't be a stubborn cluck. And he lay aside the duck. I learned a thing or two from years of playing in the band. It's hard to play a saxophone with something in your hand. To be a fine musician, you're gonna have to face the facts. Put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Gotta leave the duck alone. You gotta put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Put down the ducky if you want to play the saxophone. You gotta put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Put down the ducky. Yeah, you gotta leave the duck alone. Put down the ducky. Put down that ducky. Put down the ducky if you want to play the saxophone. Scooby Dooby Dooby. Hopefully, you appreciate that as much as I do. <clears throat> Um, so this last verse, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. And this draw near could have been come close, or maybe even come closer. And I want to say to you today, lean in. Have you ever tried to talk to someone who's staring at their phone? They're present, but they're not present. They're there, but they're not really listening. That's the visual that I get when I read this verse. See, God isn't gone. God's with us. God's next to us. We just haven't come close. We haven't leaned in. We haven't tried to be present enough to hear what God might have to say. Lean into God, and God might lean into us. Um, but we can't play the saxophone until we put down the ducky. Um, I got to tell you, uh, when I started working on this sermon a week ago, I began to realize where it was headed, and this song came to me. And honestly, I was disappointed. <laughs> I was like, seriously, God, I'm going to preach a sermon about laying down our devices, a sermon about a duck. 
Um, but the answer I heard back was not what I was expecting. It was yes and. And why do you think we are so distracted by these devices? And what came to me was two different things. Number one, they're designed that way, let's be honest. They're designed to be distracting, enticing. Even the companies involved know what's going on, what it's doing to ourselves and our sense of community. But the second thing is this. My device is hard to put down because I'm often afraid what I will hear in the silence. One time when we lived in England, um, someone convinced me to go on a silent retreat. I had never been on a silent retreat before. I just knew that they were going to take my phone away for 48 hours and I was somehow going to be alive by the end. Um, <clears throat> and I was intrigued, so I signed up and the place was um, just a couple of hours away, pretty cheap, and I remember I got there and we took a tour, Aaron was with me. It was clearly humble, low budget, several monks lived there and they were kind of coordinating things. But it also felt pretty comfortable, like a couch that you could drink your coffee on without worrying too much about whether or not you're gonna spill it. Um, and the entire place was set up with a lot of intention. Aaron and I each got a separate tiny little room. We were encouraged to lock our devices in our cars. We were told not to speak to anyone except for orientation and a daily meeting with our spiritual director who would act as a kind of spiritual mentor for the weekend. And I gotta say, I was nervous. I honestly, I was terrified. I had never gone that long without looking at my phone. What if there was an emergency? I'm very important. And um, they gave us a tour um, and they told us that everyone experiences God in different ways. So they've set up 24 rooms in different ways. One room was a sauna. One room had a treadmill and a stationary bike. I did not use that room. Uh, one room had a hot tub and um, several of the rooms were decorated with different themes from the Bible. Um, and they told me I could go anywhere on the grounds, go to any of these rooms, use the trail, be in the garden, but I was still nervous. The next morning, after a very awkward breakfast in which I tried to mime to someone to please pass the butter, that didn't work super well. I ended up like standing up and going around the table and grabbing the butter and bringing it back, but then I had my first meeting with the spiritual director, and she could sense my nervousness. She could tell how scared I was about this whole experience. So she told me to go find a room that spoke to me and kind of sit down and be there with my Bible and try to hear what God might have to say. Well, that sounded terrifying. Um, I had grown up with this sensation um, that God might be waiting for me to screw up. So what would God say? Would God be frustrated, disappointed? Was I worthy? Had I lived up? So I picked out a room. It had a water theme and some art about Moses parting the sea. And I can't remember what Bible passage I flipped open to, but after a while, um, I felt God very clearly say to me, hey, I love you. And I immediately burst into tears. <laughs> Here I had been distracting myself for so long, running from the truth I thought God might have to speak into my life, and here it was, gentle, peaceful, willing to listen, full of mercy. Pure, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy, and not at all what I was expecting. So I might ask you the same thing. Have you been avoiding scripture? Have you been avoiding silence? 
or vulnerability. Maybe you're like me, and it's so tempting to pick up the distraction of your choice and save the real stuff for another day. Don't get me wrong, sometimes you need to just chill for a second, and that's fine, but long-term, I feel like these habits are damaging to you, and they're damaging to me, and they're damaging to us as a community as we wound and covet one another. Hear me now and believe me later. You and I do not need to be afraid to set aside our distractions and lean in to God. When we listen long enough, when we lean into the God trying to tell us something, we will hear, you will hear, as I have heard, that we are unbelievably loved. I can promise you, you'll tune in to a gentle, peaceful, yielding, merciful wisdom from above. Drawing near to God is about being present to the presence of God because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's mind about you is made up and the news is good. Now, I don't think you need a whole weekend of listening to God for this draw near thing to work out for you because if that were the case, then only the um, ones who can afford a vacation would be hearing from God. But no, what my time with Sue Ann has taught me is that God is never absent. God is always next to me, and I can lean in. And if I am to listen, if I'm going to be shaped by this wisdom from above into someone who is gentle, peaceful, willing to reason, who can disagree Christianly, it's going to have to be part of my ordinary, everyday life. Parents get this more than anyone I have ever met. I can remember this past May when we celebrated the high school graduates and I was very pregnant and I walked around to each of the tables in the atrium and several different parents said to me, OB, you got to soak up time with that kid. It flies by. One mama even pointed to my pregnant belly and said, I feel like yesterday she was there and now she's graduating high school. See, here's what I think. If you and I can put away the wisdom of the world, we can be present. We can soak up this wisdom from above. And this will not just draw us near to God and near to us. It will heal our community, heal our friendships with one another so that we can be a place of peace for the sake of the world. Do not be afraid. Lean in towards God, and God will lean in towards you. Put down your duckies so that we can all make music together that is gentle and peaceable, willing to yield, full of mercy, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. And there's no better way to remember this peaceable wisdom than taking a meal of bread and cup. So if you didn't get a little communion doodad um, and you'd like one, then you just raise a hand and someone will come around and make sure that you get served. Got a couple up front as well, so yep. They got it? Okay, great. We celebrate an open table here at OKC First, so you do not need to be an official uh, member of anything to participate in communion together. Everyone who recognizes their need for grace is welcome at the table. Um, once everyone is served, we will peel and sip together. Um, but in the meantime, I'll remind you that we do this in celebration of a gentle, yielding Savior. Um, this is the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. 
And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us eat together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Won't you partake with me? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be a part of these precious lives. Um, Lord, you know how much this community has shaped me since 2001 when I first walked in the door at 17. I'm so grateful for a community of grace that recognizes your wisdom as peaceful and grace-filled. You do not show partiality to any of us, and there is no trace of hypocrisy in you. God, be with us as we attempt to put down our duckies and make the music that you're calling us to make. God, I don't know what everybody's saxophone is, but I do know that you call each of us to participate in this beautiful, wise, gentle kingdom coming. Be with us as we try to lean into you, to hear you say, hey, I love you because I know that that's what's waiting for us on the other side if we'll just be brave enough to listen. And now be with us as we pray for one another. Thanks, Pastor Britt. I want you to encourage you to stay in the same posture of prayer, perhaps listening to God in these moments of silence. Perhaps you'll hear that whisper that God loves you in your ear, even as we pray for one another. But would you join me in prayer for a few folks who we love and around the world who need a specific touch from Jesus? And so we're grateful for these words and ask that you'd pray along with me as we pray. And Jesus, we do lift up to you some of these folks who we love so much, like Bonnie Goodwin, asking God that you would surround her with your love and care and healing and be with her girls and be with Matt as they love and care for her back to health. God, we ask that you would carry her future in your arms. God, we ask that you would take care of Glenn and Betty Fain. So see a few Fains here in the room today. I'm sure their hearts are up near Wichita asking for the healing of Glenn, for strength, for clarity, and for the healing of Betty that she would be able to return to full health that God, they would surround all who love Glenn and Betty and be with them. But God, would you reach your hand and touch them with health and wholeness and good news. God, we ask that you'd be with the Winslow family as they worry and care and pray for their daughter, Carolyn. So God, we ask for your healing of Carolyn Fielding and that God, you would be right by her side and she would sense that you're nearby, that she would draw near to you and God, you would draw near to her. God, we ask for your continued healing in the life of Dennis Bratcher and the cancer God that we are praying that he is able to overcome by your spirit and through the health and caring of Robin. Would you be with them both? And I have that same prayer for my mother-in-law, Katie's mom, Margaret, that you would heal her and be close to her and draw near to her and bring her healing. 
We pray that same prayer for Angela Adams, that God, you would draw close to her and bring her healing and wholeness and health. And for Gerald and Frida Human, I also think about Norm and Linda Gaines this morning. And God, that you'd be with Norm as he's now turning towards hospice care near the end of his days. And God, we just ask that you would care for that person in the life that you're thinking about right now, those who are watching online or here in the room this morning. As you're in this sanctuary and as Mark plays, there's no doubt that you have somebody in your mind who you know needs a healing touch from God. And so that could be you. And so would you pray for that person who God has given you in your mind's eye in these moments? My mind is thinking about a few of the notes that have come in for our prayer requests at prayer at okcfirst.com. Families reaching out to me asking that we would pray for their loved ones who are battling COVID. And I'm thinking about some of my friends who have lost someone close to them in the last recent week or two. And would you pray for these folks as I mentioned their names? As Abby Sneed deals with the loss of her mom, Pam Glass and the loss of her husband, Amber Knapp, the loss of her grandfather, Chelsea Clone and the loss of her grandfather, and two of my friends who've lost close friends of theirs and Ben Best and losing a close friend and Matthew Larson and losing a close friend. Perhaps you or someone you know has experienced loss in these recent days and you can pray for them now and offer up your own prayers to God if you've experienced loss as well. And so God, we ask that you would gather all of these we love. And God, even those who we dislike, our enemies, our opposites, our irritants, that maybe even in this time of prayer, we could pray for our enemies in a way that we would ask that you would draw close to them. And that because of that, God, you, they may draw close to you. What an odd prayer to pray for your enemies. This gospel is, seems backwards. But even in these moments, God, we ask that you would care for those who we dislike. And God, we ask in these moments you would shape and form us to be your people that would look like Christ. And may you draw near to us as we draw near to you in this prayer called the Lord's Prayer, and it should be on the screen in front of you. Let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.